the Action Network Podcast. I'm just about that action, boss. the 10 throwing end zone spectacular catch they're saying it's a catch touchdown you see most gamblers when they go to gamble they go to win oh my god that's incredible big bank small bank i like to make money all right that is the ultimate kibosh you want to bet <laughs> and we are underway what is up everybody this is the action network podcast presented by fanduel uh, and it's your week three NFL betting preview. I am your host, Chris Raybon. And today we're going to be talking about all of our favorite totals, teasers, underdogs. And of course, we're going to build our weekly Sunday six pack of against the spread bets with the help of my co-host, the prime minister of degenerate nation, Stucky Stuck. What's going on? Good uh, week two. Kept the momentum going. I think I went nine and two. Actually, nine and three. I lost a small bet on a middle. I tried a middle with Washington. They missed an extra. Saw point. that. I, I saw that. I, I knew um, you were tilting off that. I was pissed there. And I had my first side loss of the year. So I'm 11 and one now with the Saints because Sean Hockley called the worst game in NFL history. He's on pace to call 95 unnecessary roughness calls this year. Uh, the record is by Jeff Triplett, 22. Uh, just an atrocious, atrociously officiated game. Jameis Winston obviously blew it. My biggest takeaway for week two is I went against the grain on a lot of like, all right, this it, this is an overreaction. I kind of just trusted what I thought of some of these teams. Like, okay, lower on the Rams. I went back to the Falcons. Since I'm, I think Cincinnati's in trouble right now. I didn't say okay, they're going to bounce back and. I kind of reacted to what I saw a little bit more, but mm-hmm. I don't even think there's that many crazy overreactions to last week, but I think we do see some this week. So that's kind of going to be the theme of this show. It's usually like the week two overreactions, but I think it's week three overreactions and uh, I'm excited to get into it and hopefully try to find some winners. Yes, sir. Uh, had a good week as well. Went 11 and one uh, now 23 and four since the season started. So I know I'm in for some regression, but we're going to try to keep it going on the pod. Uh, be sure to check out our new live show, Action Island, airing every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. Eastern on the Action app, Action YouTube page, Action Network HQ on Twitter, and presented by our friends at FanDuel. And speaking of Thursday, let's jump right into it. Thursday night football. We got the Steelers visiting the Cleveland Browns. It's not the best game, but it's the only game tonight. Let's bet. Thursday night football. Pittsburgh is a four and a half point road underdog at FanDuel, the official sponsor of the Action Network podcast. The total is 38 and a half for this game. Ugly divisional game. Jadavian Clowney out for the Cleveland Browns. Everyone else who was uh, on the injury report looks like they're going to give it a go. Miles Garrett uh, wasn't listed on the final one. And uh, Batonio Conklin look like they're going to go as well. Pittsburgh also pretty healthy. I think Bush was the only one on the injury report. And he's going to go. So uh, not too much in the way of injuries outside of Clowney. But uh, what do you think of this game? Everyone's pretty down on, on Mitch Kubisky. You were on the right side of that one. Uh, both of us, really. I, I had the under. I didn't give it on the pod. But if you follow me the app, I had the under on that one. Uh, so we both kind of profited off Pittsburgh's ineptitude on offense last week. Uh, what do you think of them going to Cleveland on a short week? Yeah, well, also, T.J. Watt's not playing. Uh, and the yeah. Steelers' defense, as I talked about last week, falls off a cliff without him. They didn't have a sack last week. That's only happened three times 
since 2017 with the Steelers. Two of them is when TJ Watt didn't, doesn't play. And if you just look at their EPA per play numbers when he's in on and off the field, it's drastic. And yeah, I mean, I could give you a million, a million, literally a million trends that'll back up the under and the Steelers here. I mean, like underdogs, 89, 55, and four against the spread since 2018 with a total of 42 or below. How about Stefanski? One and 11 against the spread in the division. That's the least profitable coach over the past 30 years in division. And uh, by the way, Tomlin is 26 and two, 26 and two as a, a dog in the division. I don't want to hear about the labor pains, man. Deliver the damn baby. And we know how good the Steelers are as an underdog under Tom. 48, 26, and 4, 65% most profitable coach against the spread as a dog. I like the transparency and the clarity in which we work. It lets me know that we feel like we are capable and we are not scared. I could go on and on and on. I mean, like even the Tomlin Road unders you always talk about are about 60%. Thursday night unders with a total between 37 and 40 Past 25 years, 18, 3, and 1 to the under, 86%. Primetime unders have been cruising this year, um, but that's kind of what I want to talk about. But, but my handicap of the game is this. I actually would lean the over a little bit. The Bar- Browns, if, if Garrett wasn't playing, the Browns' secondary is kind of a mess right now. A lot of communication issues. We saw that against Flacco late. I don't know if they're going to be able to get it cleaned up. Meanwhile, I think the Browns will be able to move the ball on the ground, just like I thought those Patriots would last week. Because, you know, there's no why. That is the weakness of the Steelers' defense is their run D. And Brissett actually played pretty well last week. It was their defense that let them down. So I was actually impressed with how the offense looked and how he threw the ball. But then you're going to throw in Garrett is playing. Mitch Trubisky, a.k.a. Mitch Bortles, is the quarterback for the Steelers. And there's going to be 20 to 25 mile an hour wins, most likely. You've just been Bortled. I could give you tons of under <laughs> trends with totals that low as well. I kind of wanted to do a contrarian over here, but I'm probably going to stay away. This is a really ugly game. There's a lot of trends that tell me Steelers, but I can't, I don't see them. Like a lot, I went against all the trends with Steelers win total under this year because of their quarterback. You, you also could get a wrench here. You could get a wrench thrown in from Tomlin that if Trubisky is struggling, you get Pickett coming in. I could see yeah. that happening. And then you don't have a game plan for him that you haven't seen him. Win this game, bro. Win this game. Straight up. You know, and then with the win, you don't know if it's turnovers or it, it's just there's going to be a lot of variance, but generally it, it obviously does help the under. But I want to talk about, before I get your thoughts on the game, scoring in general is way down this year. Average 40 points. Unders are 22 and 10, most profitable under start to the year since 1996. But if you go back and look, 2019, average points scored for the whole season, 45, same as last year, 45. The first two weeks of 2019, the average scoring, 40 points over the first two weeks. In week two, unders went 13 and three in 2019. Average points scored in week three, 48, overs 10 and six. So again, just don't overreact. I want to get your thoughts on why, because illegal contact is up. There's been 16 flags for illegal contact already. There's only 36 all of last year in 18 weeks. But I do think that there's this carryover effect of a limited preseason. No one's playing in the preseason. I think there's defenses that are really focusing on taking away explosive plays too. And then there's just a lot of noise in any two-week sample size. You can't overreact. So I wouldn't be shocked if we see scoring go way up. I think a lot of the totals are suppressed. But I'm still hesitant on totals just because maybe, you know, there's something that I'm not seeing. I'm still waiting on penalty data. But I do think that the totals are coming down a little bit too far. But if I had to bet this, I would take the points and I would bet the under. 
just because it's everything that I know in this game in this spot. But it's hard for me to see how the Steelers are going to move the ball. Their offensive line is so bad, and you're asking Mitch Bortles to throw in 20-25-an-hour wins. Browns' run game is just so much more trustworthy, which is huge in these conditions. So looks like a pass to me. Just the overall league trends. I, I have noticed that as well because, you know, I do the fantasy projections and I'm projecting every player's stats as well. Uh, and I noticed that my average passing yardage per team for quarterbacks is under 240 uh, for this week. And I think it's kind of, like you said, a combination of a few things. I think one of the things it is is just you have these situations with normally reliable uh, quarterbacks who just aren't for a variety of reasons. Dak Prescott, hurt. Tom Brady, they have no receivers, so they're not throwing the ball at a high rate like they were these last couple of years. Aaron Rodgers has right, no yeah, Aaron Adams. Uh, Russell Wilson, a new system. Right. And then you got the Seahawks starting a backup. You got the Steelers starting a backup. The Texans starting a backup. Browns starting a backup. You could argue that the Falcons are, though. I like Mariota. They're just more of those situations than not, which are kind of negatively affecting offense. I, I think that's Really the answer more so than any particular league trend as far as penalties. I'm always watching that stuff too, because I do base, you know, the projections on some form of a league average, which, you know, is dynamic, but I think it's more that than anything. And that is why, yeah, I don't, I don't really like any totals uh, this week. We'll talk about that on the segment, but as far as the game, I did take the Steelers. I thought the line was going to go the other way. I didn't think it was going to get hammered by Brown's money, but uh, you know, I, so I took it at three and a half. I just wanted the hook kind of similar to you and the Chargers last week. And then it still kept moving. Now it's at four and a half. Listen, I look at these two teams. You got Jacoby Brissett on one side and, and, and Mitch Trubisky on the other. Like, I don't make a big difference between those two quarterbacks. And we know what Tomlin does in these kind of spots. You said it last week. Last week was not a Tomlin spot. And they had a letdown game. Now, uh, you know, they were they're able to kind of stew on it and get over it quick. Now, Cleveland's in the same boat, but like you said, Stefanski's 1-11 in the division. I wouldn't surprise me at all if Pittsburgh wins this game. This is uh, your classic, ugly Thursday night football. All right, let's jump into the Week 3 Sunday six-pack. Thirsty for action? Let's crack open the Sunday six-pack. For those that are new to the show, Stuck and I give our six top uh, picks of the week three each. Uh, We can be on opposite sides. We can't pick the same one. Our first two are two points each. Our third is a point, and uh, we tally them up at the end. We also do a point for our totals, although uh, we'll talk about that in the total segment uh, for this week. But uh, it's all tied 10-10. We're doing really good on the six-pack, and uh, we're also – 50% 50% on Moneyline Dogs this year. So another good start to the podcast. Um, oh, we had I think a big we, one last week. I forgot. Yeah. So hopefully everyone out there listening has been able to. Uh, who who was the Moneyline Dog Pro again? Jags and Cowboys? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was the Cowboys. So you're, you're two for two on Moneyline Dogs. I'll start us off with my first pick, first overall of the week three Sunday six pack. I am going with the Indianapolis Colts plus five and a half now at FanDuel. Against the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, oh, it's down to five first, and a half now? Yeah. First, let me say this. If you can, buy, buy up to the six. I would buy it to minus 120. This is the spot that you want the Colts. Like, we were on fading them last week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Horrible spot for them. Everyone was hurt, which made it – I think that line got down to three. Uh, but now, this is the Colts, you know, home opener 
first of all. So we haven't even seen them play at home yet. And I think that's significant because you talked about overreaction week. Um, and I think that, yes, the Colts have obviously shit the bed. Let's, let's not make any bones about it. But we know teams play better at home. And we, we have not seen them, you know, in their own environment yet. And so I think we're still, or the general public is still getting a little too down on the Colts. And I think that's why that line was at seven uh, until probably a few hours ago, or, you know, at most, because it, it's dropping pretty quick now as we record this on Wednesday night. But you look at the Colts, they're getting Pittman uh, back and Pierce back. So they should have more receivers this week. Uh, both of them return to practice Wednesday. Then you look at, the kind of natural human element of this game mentioned the home opener already. Uh, Shaq Leonard three. too, by the way. He's yeah, back. yeah. I mean, I, I don't trust he's. I don't trust that he's uh, a real person. He's like a Dory Jackson a couple years ago. It's like until he actually sets foot on a field, I, I'm just he's ruled out. But yeah, if he plays, that's great as well. But look at week three uh, historically, winless home teams uh, entering week three facing a, a visiting team with at least one win. 31, 19, and two against the spread. That is 62%. Uh, then you have week three underdogs with at least one uh, against the spread loss. So they're not undefeated against the spread, which obviously the Colts are 0 2. Uh, that open under a touchdown 89, 54, and two, 64%. And more importantly, and this is where you come to overreactions, not even specifically to week three, but just in general, underdogs coming off a game in which they were shut out. Going up against the favorite uh, the next week, as long as the favorite's not coming off a bye, 41, 21, and three, 66% against the spread since 05, uh, beating the spread by nearly three points per game. Uh, and then you look at the, you know, a lot of people are going to say, oh, well, it's Andy Reid. He's got extra time to prepare. They had a Thursday game. That actually does not hold up in this spot. Seven and 10 against the spread on nine to 13 days of rest. Five and seven specifically on exactly 10 days of rest, which this is Thursday night game uh, to a Sunday uh, and failing to cover the spread by an average of 2.4 points per game. So whatever you thought about that narrative, because I've seen it kind of floated, you know, and I, you know, I read various picks articles and just, you know, things in the media. I've seen that, that floated, that narrative, that just get that out of your head. That's not really something that happens in this kind of spot. Uh, but I do think it's interesting that, the Colts catching more than a field goal under Frank Reich, nine, three, and one against the spread. So this is generally the spot you want to target the Colts. Like we kind of have the Colts, uh, you know, a handle on the Colts. You want to fade them against Jacksonville and you want to back them when everyone gets really down on them. And one of those covers from Reich getting more than a field goal was an outright upset of the Kansas city chiefs in Arrowhead as a double digit underdog. Uh, they came in there, they, they got after Mahomes, and uh, they ended up winning that game. And in this one, you look at the Chiefs. I didn't, I'm not that impressed by the Chiefs this year. They played Arizona with no defense. Yeah, all the backups in Arizona. It was a meaningless yeah. game. A glorified scrimmage. Okay. Yeah. Week two, they get gifted a win by, by Gerald Everett. Okay, fine. But you look at that offense without Tyreek Hill, and I still think some of the concerns that we had about it are legitimate. Like, Without that, just the, the threat of the deep ball, you know, Mahomes is having to work a lot more for any type of explosive play. Uh, you know, guys just aren't breaking open as quickly. Like Mahomes is taking some sacks at certain times where it's just like, it's those Aaron Rodgers sacks from week one. It's just like no one's open. Uh, you know, 
the the play to Watson was a great play by Mahomes. He's going to make some of those, but I think it's important because remember, this is still a Gus Bradley defense, and this is why this, this is always going to be a hold your nose pick because Gus Bradley at one point it seemed like he had the blueprint against Mahomes when he was with the Chargers, and then he goes to the Raiders, and uh, you know I guess the personnel isn't as good, and I mean Mahomes just ate him up last year in the two games, but now if Gus Bradley is, is going to be stubborn and still play his single high, well you don't have Tyreek Hill. So you don't have that same threat uh, against, you know, you're not tailor-made as an offense to beat this defense anymore. Now your offense is tailor-made to beat the two high shells, you know, and, and it, not that they're having a ton of success or going to have a ton of success doing that at all times. But I think that's an important distinction as well, uh, because that's another narrative I've seen kind of floated out there is that, well, you know, they're going up against this Gus Bradley defense, it's over. And I don't think that's exactly the case. I think you're going to get a just a massive effort from the Colts in their home stadium. Uh, I think you're going to get they're going to get after Mahomes. I think you're going to see them punch the Chiefs in the mouth with Jonathan Taylor. You know, the Chiefs they faced the Cardinals and then they faced you know the Chargers. Even though Eckler is great, they don't really have a, a power running game either. So I mean, I think this is just it sounds kind of cliche, but I think this is going to be a game where the Chiefs get I mean the the Colts get real physical, punch them in the mouth, play desperate football get the crowd going early uh, and stay in this game. And uh, wouldn't even be surprised to see them pull off a victory uh, in this spot because that's the NFL and the teams you're down on the most one week uh, are going to surprise you the next week. So give me the Colts plus five and a half. Yeah, this would have been number one. I was pissed when you took it uh, vintage spot. <laughs> uh, I took seven when it popped out there as well. If you're at five, five and a half now, wait, the whole world will be on the chiefs here, but yeah, it's, it's overreaction week. Teams are never as bad as they look. Plus, the Colts are getting their two. They've been playing without receivers and playing without their best defensive player. Maybe, yeah, finally, receivers come back to play the Chiefs. Chiefs play the, the Cardinals without all their receivers and entire defense. They play the Chargers without Keenan Allen. But, yeah, I mean, the Chiefs were – I was thoroughly unimpressed with the Chiefs. You can't even look at their numbers and tell without watching that game how bad they were. Mahomes throws two picks that are dropped, wide-open drops. And then Mahomes throws two other picks – that were called back on br- uh, brutal. What penalties. was that, that one bro? Was, like one was offensive pass interference, and he just threw up a duck. So yeah, he looked awful. Yeah, teams that start out zero and two straight up, and against the spread, by the way, forty five and twenty eight against the spread since two thousand three. That's sixty two percent. And uh, how about home dogs catching seven plus coming home in week three? So they were on the road after an zero and two start. It's only happened four times. They're four and zero against the spread. All four teams should have won outright, catching a touchdown or more. Teams off a shutout loss as three-point-plus underdogs in non-division games, 51-14-3, and three. Mm. 78% since 1990. 51-14-3 off a shutout, catching three-plus. You don't overreact. The look ahead was just three, three-and-a-half, and now you were getting up to five-and-a-half, six in a classic spot. This is as close to a must-win as you can get. So, by the way, Patrick Mahomes is not the guy you want to be backing as a seven-plus point favorite. 15-1 and one against the spread is a favorite seven-plus. So, I mean, I'm building a case for yours. That's because you can tell I want to mind that number one. But for my first pick and the second overall of the Week 3 Sunday six-pack, brought to you by FanDuel, I'm going with the Atlanta Falcons plus one-and-a-half at the Seattle Seahawks. This, look, we're going back to the well of the Falcons again for the third straight time. They're 2-0 against the spread, but they're 0-2. So I still think you get a really good effort here. 
And I still think they're being undervalued by the market. And I think the Seahawks are the worst team in the NFL besides the Texans uh, from a roster standpoint. This team is nothing. And I think people still have that game against Denver in their mind from week one when the crowd was going crazy, Russell. But Denver, all kinds of problems we've seen the first two weeks. And they moved the ball at will. I mean, go look at that box score. Denver just kept turning. They couldn't get it at the one-yard line. Denver should have won that game by 20 if they had a brain. You know, last week, Seattle gets absolutely destroyed by San Francisco. They can't do anything but complete two-yard passes. They can't run the ball right now. That's how you have to attack this Falcons defense. Falcons strong at the corner positions. That's great here against Seattle. And the Seattle defense is just void of talent. They're so young in the secondary. Jamal Adams is no longer there. He was kind of the piece that you wanted in the box for this new defense that they don't have now. And this Falcons offense is just underrated from a talent perspective. The offensive line is a little questionable, but that's where Mariota's mobility comes into play. And this isn't a defensive line that's going to get a ton of pressure. Maybe one of the worst in the NFL, if not the worst. So I think Mariota will have time to make plays with not only his legs, but with uh, some plus matchups that Atlanta will have on the outside. And uh, I just don't trust Geno Smith and these receivers to beat the Atlanta secondary enough to get this done. I talked about this all year. I think the Dean Pease defense will be underrated all year. It usually is in year two. We're changing a culture around this day going place. I think the Falcons go into Seattle, pick up this outright win. I think they're undervalued. I think the Seahawks are just dreadful. And I'll take the one and a half points on the road. Yeah, this, there's a couple of games like this this week where it's just two bad teams squaring off. And I just don't think people know like what to do with these games. But uh, yeah, I take the points here. I mean, the best thing the Seahawks have going for them is the 12s, you know, in this matchup. I think that's really the only difference at this point. And that's why there's a point and a half of spread between them at all, because Really, outside of that, you know, I agree. I think I think the Falcons have an edge at quarterback. I think the Falcons have an edge on defense, even though they're a bad defense. You know, looking even at the skill positions, you know, because you could always point to Metcalf, Lockett, who, who had a great game, by the way, last game. But now the Falcons are getting Drake London into it. They still haven't unleashed Kyle Pitts, and, and they're getting Cordero Patterson. You know, they're using him creatively as well. So, you know, there's just not a lot differentiating the two teams, really. I'm all in favor of taking the points with the Atlanta Falcons here. I do want to take a second for a quick announcement to any listeners who use the Action app. Thanks to our new partnership with FanDuel, we've got a new technology update for all you gamblers out there. It's called Quick Slip, and here's how it works. Let's say you've got a FanDuel account and you're in the Action app looking for the best lines. You can use Quick Slip to go directly to FanDuel with that same pick in a bet slip ready to go. It's a huge time saver for any Action app user who bets with FanDuel, so be sure to check that out. All right, for my second pick and the third overall of the week three Sunday six-pack presented by FanDuel, I am going with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, minus one and a half against the Green Bay Packers. And this is one of my favorite spots to take the Buccaneers. And uh, everything, it's kind of a weird buy-low spot on the Bucs, even though they win and, and won and covered against their nemesis, the Saints. Finally, unfortunately for the six-pack last week, but I guess great for Tampa Bay. But, you know, Green Bay handled their business against Chicago, won comfortably, covered the spread. They got they got a couple players back. Lazard scored a touchdown. Elton Jenkins got mentioned. Like, 
20 times by Chris Collinsworth. So everyone's like, okay, the Packers are back. The Bucks are completely banged up. Oh my God. Easy. Grab the dog here. This is the spot to grab the Packers. Nah, looking at the Packers team and what they're going through right now. All right. You got, it's the same offense. You got a hall of fame quarterback. The Bucks with no receivers are the Packers. Like it's the same thing. It's the Packers receivers, Lazard and all these guys, maybe they'll turn into some, you know, Dobbs. I like Dobbs. I think Watson has potential, but right now the Packers receivers are essentially, you know, the Bucks receivers banged up hall of fame quarterback, good enough offensive line and good running back. That's so the offense is the same. The edge in this matchup, the reason I'm taking the bucks is because they have ways to mess up Aaron Rodgers on defense. Number one, if they want, they're going to be able to get pressure without having to send a ton of extra rushers. That's something that's always key. And then not only that, but they're able to cover on the back end. You have Jamel Dean allowing a passer rating of 13 this season. That's worse than just if a quarterback threw the ball into the dirt every single play. Uh, shout out to Jaguar Gator 9 if you watch his stuff on YouTube. Love his love his videos, but uh, he always brings that up. That Yeah, that's worse than that. Probably the best iteration of the Bucks defense that they've had in this time. They're mostly healthy. Akeem Hicks is out, but that's about it. And then you look at Rodgers. Okay, he played Tampa Bay twice uh, in 2020. Week six, 16 to 35, 160 yards, no touchdowns, two picks, four sacks. Rematch against Tampa Bay. Uh, he throws a lot more and, and gets a little bit more yardage, 33 or 48, 346. So that looked good. Uh, three touchdowns, but got picked again and got sacked five times. So in the two games against Tampa, Rodgers averages 6.1 yards an attempt, 1.5 interceptions per game, and, and four and a half sacks per game. Versus everyone else, eight yards an attempt, 0.2 interceptions and 1.6 sacks over that span. So he's averaging two yards per attempt less. Interceptions go up sevenfold. His sacks go up threefold against his defense. And the crazy thing was, in those two matchups, the first time they blitzed him 49% of the time. The second time they blitzed him 40% of the time. So they can also bring blitzes at him. And I think that in this type of matchup, without Devontae Adams, that could also be effective because they can cover. You know, they can man. They're not going to be scared to just man up these receivers. Um, they, they just have so many different options. So the edge in this matchup for me is has nothing to do with the off the Bucks being banged up on offense because the numbers come down. It was three and a half at one point. Now you're getting that. I got it at one. Uh, actually, no, I got the money line. But it, it's the line is at one when I bet the money line. And, you know, it's hovering between one, one and a half. It was at three and a half. So you're getting the discount. For no Evans, no Godwin, maybe no Julio as well. Uh, Donovan Smith, likely to miss again as well. Although Brandon Walton, who replaced Josh Wells, who replaced Smith, because Wells is going to be out too now, undrafted free agent from FAU. He actually graded as the ninth best pass blocker uh, at PFF among 67 tackles last week. 22 snaps, no pressure. So, you know, might not be as much of an issue uh, as, you know, we're making it out to be. But either way, uh, you're getting the discount on the line for that. So the edge is in the fact that I don't think people realize how this Bucks defense can get after uh, Aaron Rodgers. So, and by the way, Bucks, because you're essentially, I mean, the line is at a place where you're essentially taking them to win the game. They lost at home twice last year. New Orleans, 9 nothing. That's New Orleans. We know what happens with New Orleans. Uh, and in the playoffs. And that was that Rams game, 30 to 27. And going back the last two years, since Brady's been there, Four of their five home losses are against the Saints and Rams. And the other one is against the Chiefs in a game where Tyreek Hill put up like 200 yards in the first quarter. 
And the Packers don't have Devontae Adams. Uh, so I think edge, Bucks defense, give me the Bucks minus one and a half. Uh, I'll get into this a little bit, another angle I, I have here. But um, we have to see if Bakhtiari will play, which will matter. Um, Didn't practice, practice again, play. yeah. The Packers will do will run a fair amount of zone, which is never a smart idea against Brady. But this, this Bucks offense sucks right now. I mean, it is awful to watch. The only drive they put together in the entire game against the Saints was – Sean Hockley, like calling unnecessary <laughs> roughnesses on fourth downs. And, but what is the Packers offense right now? It is like, we need to run the ball. You can't run the ball against Tampa. They're not going to like, they don't have any advantages on the outside. So this total has come way down and it's two hall of fame quarterbacks, by the way, the two most profitable quarterbacks to back over the past 20 years, uh, right, right around 59%. This total has come way down. And normally I'd be like, you know, I was talking about the overreactions. I agree with the move. I actually might play the first half under. I think this will be like 3-3, three, 6-3 three, three at the half. Maybe, you know, Brady or, you know, pops a couple in the second half. But um, I think the de- defenses will dominate this game. I don't mind you taking the lane one with Tampa. Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, favorite under a field goal uh, in his career, 11-6 and six against the spread. But against Rodgers, he's played them four times. Three and one against the spread, won each of the last three, beats the spread by an average of 11 and a half points per game. And a lot of that is the defense. So Rogers 30.1 rating under pressure through two games this year, fifth worst among 33 qualified passers. Rogers doesn't get into these pressure situations. Often most defenses just aren't capable of doing that. And the bucks can do it perfectly. So yeah, give me the bucks. All right. For my second pick and the fourth overall of the week, three Sunday, six pack presented by Fandle, I'm going with the Minnesota Vikings minus five and a half at home against the Detroit Lions. Um, look, I am not overreacting to what I saw. I love the Eagles last week. It is a phenomenal matchup to Kirk Cousins. Uh, you know, he turned into Kirk Cousins in primetime. Um, it happens, but he also, if you look throughout his career, he is horrendous against zone defense. The Eagles put on a clinic in that from a defensive standpoint and Cousins was just awful. The Lions run a ton of man. And this I mean, Cousins in this offense at home, this is still one of the best home field advantages in the NFL. Off that bad loss, coming home, they should eat this Detroit defense alive. There is no one that can cover anyone on this Vikings offense. And last year, and look, the Lions are better, but last year this line was nine at home. I think the Vikings are better too from a coaching standpoint. The time was nine home. And by the way, the Vikings won by two in one game. They lost by two in one game when they gave up a touchdown on the very last play with no time remaining. The game that they won by two, they should have won by way more. You had them minus nine yes, in that game. I remember that. And there oh, was like man. a fumble at the end, and then they gave it another kick, and then it was just a back to the end up kicking a field goal to win it. That's the Zimmer way. Like, they take their foot off the gas. And, um, and by the way, Dalvin Cook didn't play in any of the meetings last year. Adam Thielen missed one of the meetings. So they, they were their offense was never at full strength. Offensive line is in better shape now. So I think the Lions are better, but I also think the Vikings are better. I think that you're getting this line really cheap because everyone is just on this Lions hype. And I was on the, everyone told me last week to bet the commanders, right? And the market moved it. We were on the Lions. And then the, like to bet the commanders on the road. No, we were in the, we were betting the Lions. But now yeah. everyone, all the people that wanted to bet, that wanted to bet the commanders, Want to bet the Lions. And then also a lot of people were telling me about the Vikings last week against the Eagles under a field goal. And I'm saying no. And now everyone says fade the lot, fade the Vikings. I mean, it's amazing. Um, after week one, the Vikings win the Super Bowl. 
after last week against a really good Philadelphia team in a bad matchup, now the Vikings stink. Um, so like it's so I think you're getting you're I I think this line should be seven. I think you're getting it cheap. The Lions offense could give Minnesota some problems here. Harrison Smith might be out safety. You're gonna have a really young secondary. And Detroit's offense has been explosive. They still have some injuries on the offensive line, but apparently it doesn't matter. Um, but the Vikings offense is a lot better, and the Vikings defense is more talented. They're at home here off an embarrassing loss with a really good coach, good home field advantage, and just I they I love the play calling that I'm seeing. And this isn't gonna be your Vikings team that's like up 14-3, and then they start handing it off on first and second down, and then they're punting, and then like and after what they did last year with the Vikings, the Lions and the Lions, when they won that game, that was their first win. A really embarrassing loss for the Vikings. So I think they come out here at home. You'll hear hear the horn. Um, you'll be hearing that horn a lot. I think they build a lead and then they stay on it. The Lions won't make it easy, but I think there's some value here, uh, especially under six, but anything under a touchdown, give me the Vikings skull. Yeah, this is one I was eager to talk to you about because I think it has implications for Survivor too. It's it's a tough week for Survivor, so I wanted to hear your case uh, for the Vikings because I'm I'm not there to be honest. I you know, I mean this Lions offense is just like a backdoor cover machine. Uh, that's what scares me about you know laying five and a half six against this this Lions team is that you know I mean everyone's gonna quote the stat they've scored thirty five or more in three straight games dating back to last year, but uh, you know I do think with this offensive line healthy. Uh, going against the Minnesota defense that I, it, it's still kind of mediocre. I mean, I, it should be better, but uh, I'm, I'm kind of worried about the backdoor cover. It's a division game. So um, I probably won't join you on the, the spread, but might have to, might still end up taking the Vikings for a survivor because it's, it's a tough week. Um, but yeah, I, you know, it, it, it is interesting though, because I, I do think the Lions, like the fact that it's a division game worries me a little bit more because, like, for example, you know, you mentioned Kirk Cousins you know, eats up man coverage. Well, in that second matchup last year, which the Lions pulled the upset, uh, they played about 75% zone in that game, which uh, I don't remember exactly how much man they were running last year because they, they cornerback sucked last year too. But um, yeah, like that, it just, there's certain things that just worry me with the familiarity here. But I, I, at the same time, you know, it's a new new coaching staff for the Vikings. So they should have the element of, you know, surprise and haven't put everything on tape yet. Yeah. And the Minnesota just runs such an inefficient offense. And by the way, in that game, they didn't have Thielen or Cook. Um, yeah, that's which true. matters. But eventually the lines aren't going to cover every week. There's going to be some regression coming in that standpoint as well. And I think because of what the Vikings saw last year with that, they're going to keep their foot on the gas here. And, and I'm not as worried about the back door. Like a road dog with low totals, always scary in division. But this, I mean, this totals very high expect a lot of points which eliminates some of the concern there but they certainly could could do it again getting back door but hopefully the vikings build a big enough lead or goff uh gives us a turnover late but i think there's value in this number after what we saw last week i got three words for you you like that i'll be rooting for you all right uh for my third and final pick of the week number three sunday six pack uh, the fifth overall pick. I am going with the Houston Texans plus two and a half at the Chicago Oof. Bears. I know. It, talk about hold your nose. I mean, this is this is disgusting. But I make this line about one, one and a half. Uh, so getting some value here. Uh, I got it at three. Uh, hopefully, it gets back there. Uh, I think the Texans have a good shot at winning this game. 
I just look at the Chicago team and it's a team that a lot of us were down on heading into the year. And then they got that week one upset and everyone's, oh, okay, maybe they're going to be a little better. Uh, and then we saw what they did last week and, you know, it's kind of what we expected, you know, them to be in the first place. But I think there's just some concerning things when you look at how these teams match up. First of all, you know, Chicago, their opponents fumbled five times already. Uh, Chicago's only fumbled once and recovered it. Their opponents have lost a couple. Fields has two picks on just 40 dropbacks. You know, they're hiding Fields. He's still got two picks. Uh, got one of the highest interception rates in the league. But he also has the highest turnover-worthy throw rate in the league, which partly explains why they're not uh, throwing the ball with him. So his turnover-worthy th- throw rate is 9.8%. And that is three percentage points higher than the second highest which is Derek Carr. Now we're only through two weeks, but this is not ideal for a quarterback that also finished last in the league in QBR last year. He's second to last this year. His time to throw in the pocket is 3.54 seconds, which is over a half second more than, you know, the second highest guy. So he's just not processing when he's dropping back to pass. And now you're going against this Houston team that if you're looking for a team to pull an upset, I think this is an ideal scenario because Houston, on the other hand, you know, they lack talent. We know that. Like, they have – that's their big issue. But as far as just playing, like, these, like sound football, they're doing it. Like, Davis Mills has uh, a 1.2% turnover-worthy throw rate, just one all year, no interceptions, getting the ball out the fourth quickest. Uh, should have some luck go his way. He's had the uh, third most drops in the league. And the offensive line – Holding up, you know, the tackles are pretty good and Tunsil and Howard, uh, you know, so the O-line's playing well. They're not really turning the ball over. And the, statistically speaking, Houston uh, been better on defense, 16th to DVOA, Chicago 27th, and better on offense, 26th versus Chicago 30th. But they've also been decent on first and second downs, which tends to lead to, uh, you know, more predictive results than just, you know, third downs, a lot more luck and things like that. First down passing, Houston 14th in DVOA, first down overall 14th, second down 14th, second down, second down passing 14th, second down overall 12th. Chicago's offense, dead last in passing uh, on, on both first and second down, and overall 30th in DVOA on first downs, 20th on second down. So that's not go, that's not an ideal scenario for Chicago. And now they're talking about, oh my God, we got to get Mooney more involved. We got to get Cole Komet more involved. Well, now you're just going to put Justin Fields in a situation where they're more likely to turn the ball over when they really should just be running the ball uh, on this Texans defense. And so I just think Chicago's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place here because, you know, the fans are going to be clamoring for, for more passing, but if things go wrong, they're going to boo. I actually don't think the home field advantage necessarily works in Chicago's favor in this spot. Houston has nothing to lose, but they're, st- they're still going to be hungry. They haven't got that win yet, uh, but they've hung around in these games. And uh, you do have the trends kind of back in Houston here. A win with dog, uh, plus one and a half to seven in weeks two through four. 127, 81 and four, 61% against the spread, including 40, 26 and two against the spread in week three. Road dogs, uh, plus two and a half to six and a half with a total under 50, uh, coming, like, coming off a bad year. So pretty much a bad team. Two to six wins the year before, uh, hitting 246, 142 and 12, 63%, 28% ROI. Uh, excluding the last two weeks of the season. So, uh, and of course you got the Lovey Smith uh, revenge spot here for, so Lovey I think the Smith tech- revenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah. he's going to come back to should, Chicago, show off his new. That should end, uh, 
That's how I know you're uh, at the end of your your case. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but when you get to the Lovey Smith revenge, uh, oh yeah, um, I'm just joking. But uh, no, I, 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 the more I look into it, I, I, I had I had it written down here. By the way, I Lovey Smith revenge game, and I was going to say, <laughs> so I was I was mad that you ruined. It wow. Um, but many more interesting things to say about many other games. So I'm not going to bore you or our audience with it because I have no I have no angle on this. I have no interest in watching it. But now I will for the pod. Um, I'll be rooting. For the Texans, but I will bring something fun to the occasion before I get to my last pick. Your quarterbacks that you picked are Tom Brady, Davis Mills, and Matt Ryan. Kind of run of the gamut of like Hall of Famer, yeah. But if you line them all up at the one, at the one, and then they raced, it's not not a forty, but a hundred yards from the one to the other one uh, on the football field. What do you think is the order of finish? Brady number one. Definitely TB12 method. Uh, he's getting younger as he gets older. Uh, and then I go Davis Mills number two because he's younger than Matt Ryan. So you would go Brady over Mills? Yeah, it's TB12, bro. Like, what okay. he's getting younger. He's, he's not eating tomatoes and shit. You know, you know how that goes. Yeah. But um, <laughs> all right, for my third pick and the sixth overall of the Sunday six pack, I'm going with the Las Vegas Raiders minus two and a half at the Tennessee Titans. I don't love this number. Like I don't show a ton of value in it, um, but I, I love the matchup and I am so down on Tennessee and you know, there's not much of a difference in the NFL between minus two and a half minus one and a half. And there are much more concerning injuries on the Tennessee side. Although the Raiders, let me note here, they didn't have five. They didn't have five guys five starters at practice today. Renfro concussion, their center, James, well, Nichols are D tackle. Linebacker Perryman and safety more worth monitoring. Titans were missing four. Lawan, who I think is going to be out for the year. I don't know. I keep getting yeah, reports there. I think he's done. Uh, their right guard, Nate Davis. Uh, Fulton was back at practice, but limited. Um, but the Titans signed. So let's break this down a little bit. By the way, the Titans are well-deserved 0-2. They got absolutely destroyed by the Bills. And I was super long on coming into the air. I think that they are... And they have so much regression coming in close games. It is insane. But they get destroyed by the Bills. If you look at that, a lot of people are saying, like, the, the, the Giants deserve to lose that game. They, I, I disagree. If you look at that box score, um, I think the Giants went on the road and were the better team. Regardless, lost their home opener to the Giants. They weren't great, even though I'm high on them. They're deserved 0-2. The Raiders, on the other hand, I think are getting not enough respect. They lost to the – Chargers on the road in week one, not a bad loss at all. And I think they had more yards per play, higher yards per play. Game could have went either way. Then the next week against the Cardinals, they play a healthy card, a healthier Cardinals team. They just took their foot off the gas. I mean, they were 38 0 with a 20 plus point lead in franchise history. They're up 20 to nothing at the half, doing whatever they wanted. And they kind of just took their foot off the gas and then things just went. They, uh, they got a, a call that went against them on a two-point conversion, just absolutely awful for a win total. By the way, just insane games last week. The Ravens, we'll talk about them in a second, but they they were a they had a 99% post-game win probability. It's the highest in a loss in the last four years. The Browns blow a 13-point lead <laughs> under two minutes ago. And the crazy shit is Chubb, Chubb knows Chubb this. doesn't go he down. I, I covered a bet. I remember this very vividly. I had Texans plus three and a half. Here is Chubb going outside when Wolf go out of bounds, and he does it, and he may go all the way. And 
and he does. No flags are down, and Chubb. He ran out of bounds. Goes out of bounds at the one-yard line. Could have been 17 to 7. I don't think it makes much of a difference. Though. He said, look, I'm not even taking a chance. And the game's over. He wanted that third touchdown for his fantasy owners. I respect it. The Raiders easily could be 2-0. Oh. This whole narrative would be completely different. And then I just love this matchup here. So you're not going to have Taylor Lewan, and you might not have your guard either. You have a couple of rookies on the line. You're going up against a really good edge rush. Your backup left tackle gave up more pressures last game in relief than Taylor Lewan has in his last nine games combined. One of the worst backups in the NFL. The Raiders should be able to create pressure. And the Raiders' run defense has been really good so far this year. And the Titans' rush offense has been the worst in the NFL from an efficiency and explosiveness standpoint. Their offensive line is awful, as we talked about. Derrick Henry doesn't look like he has the same explosiveness, but he's just he there's, there's and there's nothing there for him to run at. He doesn't, yeah, he doesn't look the same. And then you don't have to respect the outside, so it's easier uh, as a defense to defend the run. The receivers don't scare you, and that's how you have to attack this Raiders defense. You have to be able to throw on their secondary, and the Titans can't really do that. So I just. You know, on the other side of the ball, they're, the Titans just signed Terrence Mitchell today because it doesn't look like Fulton will be at full strength to play. There are other options at corner if Fulton doesn't play. Are a ba- rookie, a Farley, who's basically a rookie, McCreary, who is a rookie, and an undrafted rookie, Trey Avery, who's probably still having nightmares from that Bills yeah. game. So, uh, yeah, it's it's bad. The Titans, that they, they still don't have their top pa- pass rushers out for the year. And, you know, the – Raiders offensive line is kind of the weak point of that offense. I don't think the Titans can really take advantage. Their secondary is a mess. I think Carr will have a big day here. We'll have enough time to take advantage of the mismatches he has on the outside. I think the Raiders run defense has been really good. They'll be able to get pressure on the edge. Raiders are a respectable team. And the Titans are, I'm telling you, bottom eight team in the NFL this year. What really stands out to me about the Titans is they don't have that Derrick Henry magic because that – that covered up for a lot, you know, they could hand and they didn't always have to have the best offensive line, but they could count on maybe three, four times a game, handing it to Derrick Henry, head of steam, and he just makes something happen and it creates points. And this year, he just looks like a big dude that's running slow into a pile. Like he doesn't look like, like if you didn't know he was King Henry, you wouldn't be scared of him if you were lining up a linebacker you know, for, you know, you wouldn't be scared to bet against him. You wouldn't be anything. So I, that's an issue uh, for the Titans. And for the Raiders, I think what's really going wrong is Derek Carr is kind of having some trouble adjusting to this new scheme. You know, he kind of talked about he's not really making any checks at the line anymore. It's all just, you know, McDaniel sends in the play. He goes where the play is designed to go. And I think that's just causing him to be a little bit robotic, uh, you know, as opposed to he was, you know, he – Kind of got better every year in that Gruden scheme. You know, whatever you think of Derek Carr, he absolutely was improving year by year in that scheme. Sure, and, now, yeah. and now I think he's just kind of back to that guy who we can't trust to be consistent, uh, you know, from a week to week basis. And he's admitted himself, but I mean, just looking at him play, I mean, t- I talked about Justin Fields. Like, Derek Carr is like right after Justin Fields and like all these metrics and like, you know, turnover worthy throw rate and, you know, just mistakes, interceptions, all, the, all that stuff. So, I, you know, that's the only thing that kind of worries me. But I still do agree that the Titans are just not – they're just a shell of themselves right now. They don't really have anything going for them. 
Uh, you know, maybe the defense can step up and and create some pressure with that. You know, that that's kind of what they're gonna have to do. But like you said, they they can't run and they can't cover. Uh, and that's that's an issue going against this this Raiders team. So I uh, don't disagree. Yeah, and, and they don't have the receivers to take advantage of a, a greater secondary that has a bit of an issue. Now you don't have your tackle on the offensive line is weak, and that's the strength of the Raiders defense is the pass rush. And look, these both both of these teams are 0 2 against the spread. Both these teams are 0 2 straight up. Both of them are being looked down upon by the market. Both of them will be desperate here. What this comes down to is I don't think that the market really has caught up to how poor I think the Titans will be this year. And so I think that the Raiders get this done on the road. Um, so, yeah, that'll do it. Fair enough. Uh, so our Sunday six-pack for week three, you've got Atlanta plus one and a half, the Vikings minus five and a half, and the Vegas Raiders minus one and a half on the road against the Tennessee Titans. I have – the Indianapolis Colts plus five and a half, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers minus one and a half, and the Houston Texans plus two and a half in the Levy Smith revenge spot. Now it is time for our coaches' pep talk. I don't know what you to pull this amateur bull trap, all right? Do you hear me? Do you understand me? All right, today's coaches' pep talk comes to us from Danny DeVito, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia. And I'm going to dedicate this one to the Colts, Frank Reich, because I, I think we both really need him to show up. It's been an embarrassment, but we were on the right side of those games uh, anyway. So we don't, we don't, we, it didn't really affect us in any type of way, but this week we really need them to, to step their shit up. So uh, Frank Reich, this one's for you. This is pathetic. This is awful. We've all been humiliated. Our asses are destroyed. We can't go out like that. Look. If life pushes you down, you gotta push back. If you're dealt a bunch of lemons, you gotta take those lemons and stuff them down somebody's throat until they see yellow. And if some punk-ass kid humiliates you, you gotta do the only thing that's left to do. Yeah! Whoa! Huh? What's the one thing left to do? What is it? Well, the thing of it is, uh, there's the lemon stuff. Right. And then... Let's jump into our favorite totals of the week. Usually we give out our top total. We count it for a point. Uh, this week, we're actually not going to count the point because both of us really don't like any of the totals on the market. We don't want to just force a pick, give out a pick just to give out a pick. Uh, you know, we are betting all of the picks that uh, we give out on the show. So probably what you said earlier about the fact that a lot of games went under last week. The lines just seem a bit sharper. Usually we're looking for unders and, uh, not really many that I can make a, a strong case for. I think, you know, maybe Jacksonville Chargers just on speculation that, you know, the Chargers end up sitting some guys against a Jags team that they maybe think they could win. Herbert obviously being chief among them. If you wanted to look for some overs this week and think that there's, you know, some the, these lines have gone, the totals have gone too far. Now, again, we, we only have a, a sample size of two weeks, so maybe they haven't gone far enough. But uh, if I were to guess, we probably get, we'll probably get an over week with it in that it'll be at least, you know, a game or two over 500 that the overs go with how they've gone. A couple overs that I would look at, Bengals, Jets. And by the way, that's the last we'll talk of the Chargers-Jags game. We'll have write-ups for that. All of for all the games. It's just that we don't know with Herbert. Keenan Allen, the offensive line. So without knowing Herbert is worth like a touchdown, it's hard to really make a call in that game. Bengals-Jets over, over 44, 44 and a half. This line is short to me. 
if you assume that the Bengals offense will ever wake up. Um, the Jets are playing really fast. I think the Bengals are going to come out firing all over the field after all of their comments this week. And they should be able to move the ball on the Jets' defense. I mean, Brissett did at will. You know, he had a great game. The Ravens scored at will. So, you know, look, the Jets have a decent defensive line, but it's not T.J. Watt and the Steelers. There's not Micah Parsons. So some of these issues with their offensive line, which we talked about, I've been fading them the past two weeks. Maybe I can't still can't combine the Bengals, so I say it improve. But I still think that they'll have a lot more opportunities to make plays here. And I'm not a huge fan of the Bengals' defense. And this is a team that had regression coming anyway. And Burrow just doesn't look comfortable. Lyle Collins now dealing with an injury, but he's been cooked out there every, every play. Maybe that's not a bad thing that he's out. But this offensive line is still trying to find continuity. But I would think that Burrow and company have a better week this week. Bengals, by the way, first team to be favored after losing their first two games as touchdown plus underdogs in the past 15 years. The other one would be the, the Bills and the, the Dolphins. And this one has gone up a little bit, but it's it's hard for me to see this game not being an absolute shootout. Number one, the Dolphins have some of the fastest receivers in the NFL going up against a defense that is – dealing with a lot of injuries on the back end at safety at cornerback, they're already missing Trey white. And then you have a bills team that just shreds, just shreds this well, everybody, but especially this Dolphins team, they've won seven straight against the Dolphins. They scored 42, 31, 37, 31, 56, 35, and 26. Anyone with a pulse against this Dolphins defense last year got to 30. As long as you had a starting quarterback and you had a pulse, that was it. Um, you got to 30. So, and they might be missed. They're already missing one of their starting quarters. They could be missing another one. So it's hard for me to see the bills. Like the, the offense, like the blitz, they give up a lot of explosive plays. It's just not a, not, not a good formula against Josh Allen. So this one could turn into an absolute shootout. Um, so those are the two, two totals that I've looked at if you're looking for overs. Yeah. I like that call on the, the bills dolphins. Uh, I was looking at that injury report too, uh, but yeah, let's, uh, let's get into our favorite teasers of the week. Oh, yeah. Six point teasers. If you don't want me to, don't tease me. Don't tease me. Try to please me. All right. For anyone unfamiliar, teasers are when you get uh, an extra allotment of points uh, to use on a parlay with two or more bets. So uh, the standard is a six point teaser which means if you bet a seven-point favorite, it becomes a one-point favorite. A seven-point underdog becomes a 13-point underdog. Stucky has a lot of great content out. On teasers, you can just search Stucky uh, Action Network teasers and uh, or Stucky teasers, and uh, you'll find it. But uh, where are you going this week? Yeah, let's go with the Packers and the Broncos teased up. Uh, here's a crazy stat for you. Russ, when teased as any dog, in his career, 36 and five, 88%. You got to be like 74 and change at minus 120 to break even. Rogers, 31 and 13, 70%. That's at any dog. We don't, we don't tease any dog. And a lot of times they have high totals. These two games have two low totals. And if you search hard enough out there, you can tease up both of them above seven. And that's ultimately what you want to do. Total under 45, tease two dogs above seven. This hits every single possible teaser qualification that I write about. And then what do you, what do you also have two future hall of fame quarterbacks? What is, why, what is, why does that matter? Well, if you're down 14 late, you have a pretty, pretty good chance. You're going to go down and get seven against the pre-bed defense. You know, it's not Mitch Trubisky trying to go down the field. And so, so let's take a look at Rogers 
and Russ as an underdog in their career with a total of 45 or less in a game that they finish. All right, so just overall, they're, they're combined 19, 4, and 2 against the spread, 83%. So how about we tease them six points as a dog, both of them, Russ and Rodgers as a dog, total under 45, 25 and 0. Russ 17 and 0, Rodgers 8 and 0. It's never lost. So Broncos have issues, but I think the market's gone a little too far on them. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I mean, I mean, I'm not playing the Broncos. I don't know if I'll play the Broncos plus one and a half, but I'll gladly take the Broncos and Russ plus seven and a half. Yeah. They moved, they destroyed the Seahawks and just had bad variants. They have some red zone regression coming their way. It's a new system. I'm sure they'll keep getting better. The injuries are a little concerning. Jones, D tackle, Judy, Sertain, keep an eye on them. But, you know, I, it's not like the 49ers right now are world beaters. They still have questions on the offensive line. Kittle might not play. And, you know, I, I don't think that the 49ers are going to go out there and blow the Broncos out of the water. Um, so hype spot for Denver at home after getting all this hate. And then I love Rodgers catching over touchdowns here because, number one, it's Rodgers catching over a touchdown and under, with a total under 45. could be anybody. But I also think this game's going to be super low scoring. It's going to be like 17-13. So, yeah, give me the Broncos and the Packers. That's where I'm going. How about you? Uh, I'm going Texans and Falcons. And uh, talked about them already, but kind of fit the same criteria outside of the, the quarterbacks. Are, obviously, aren't as good, but I, I like the matchups for both of them. And uh, you got low totals in both. And by the way, I jumped on the Niners when the Lions first dropped. Got them at plus two and a half. I, I woke up the next day, and apparently Sharps had hit them, and they were like minus two. So, uh, yeah, I think the market has gone a lot, a, a little too far. I'm still, I'm not betting Hackett, uh, you know, on a normal line until they show me something. But yeah, I do agree the market's just gone, gone crazy here. But all right, uh, you got Green Bay up to seven and a half, Denver up to seven and a half. I got Atlanta up to seven and a half and Houston up to eight and a half. Uh, now let's get into our Moneyline Underdog Parlay. Turning good weekends into great weekends. It's time for the Moneyline Parlay. All right. As mentioned, we did hit last week. I'll make mine quick and then I'll let you talk because uh, I'm going to go with the Colts. Uh, I just think they're going to surprise people. This is a desperation spot for them. And uh, usually when you see underdogs cover, they went out right. So uh, I'll stick with the Colts here. But uh, who you got? Yeah, I'm going to go with the Dolphins here. I think that's a, there's a lot of variance in this game due to some of the injuries on the Bills side on defense. I think that the Bills on a short week here – with these defensive injuries, it really hurts their prep because the Dolphins run a completely new offense. Now, I don't think that the Dolphins will be able to exploit some of the things they did against the Ravens because the Bills have better covering linebackers. But if their safeties are out and their corners are out, it could be a long day for that defense. And here's the thing with the Bills. When the Bills are good, the Bills are really good, and they blow teams out of the water. They're 14-7 and seven straight up in their last 21 games. All 14 wins have come by 12 or more points. Yep. They're good. They're good. I'll give you another stat. What, why to back that up when they're 15 and two against the spread in the second half in their last 17 games when leading at the half, when they're up, they just are going to blow you out and they don't let up when Josh Allen is good and the defense is good. They're great. Now they'll have some shitters like the Jags game last year. So that's the hope here. And, and by the way, the Dolphins on the on the flip side, they own the current longest streak in the NFL. They've won 25 straight at home when leading at the half. So um, 
you know, and, and the Bills, I think this line is a little inflated. We've seen a lot of Bills love. Look, look, I'm low on the Rams. I'm extremely low on the Titans. This is a division game on the road on a short week uh, facing a new offense. And look, the past 20 years, let's just show you, this will highlight another week three overreaction angle. In the past 20 years, only four other teams have averaged a straight up and an against the spread margin of at least 20 points. So both they are covering and winning by at least 20 points through their first two games. Only four other teams, 2019 Pats, 2011 Lions with Stafford, 2006 Chargers and 2006 Bears. They blew out their first two opponents out of the water, looked great. None of them covered in week three. So just hold your horses on how great some of these teams look. Right now, look, we know the Bills are going to be great, but division game on the road here with a lot of defensive injuries, short week down in the humidity. I think there's value in the money line more than the six, the five and a half, because usually like this, this total sky high, I think there's going to be a ton of points, not as much value in taking the points here, in my opinion. Yeah, that's, that's a great stat. And I I saw that uh, stat earlier and I thought the same thing There's no point in taking them against the spread. You either take them to win or you just don't take them at all. Uh, so Miami plus 210, Indy plus 215, parlay them together, get a return of about 9x, 100 gets you 976. Uh, now let's jump into the best of the rest, which are the games we did not discuss in any other segment. Uh, we can make this quick. New Orleans at Carolina plus three uh, is Carolina at home. The total is 40 and a half. Sharps are on Carolina. Money is on Carolina and the under. Any thoughts? Panthers 0 9 against the spread last night, 2 and 13 past 15. I think rules 1 and 25 when he doesn't get more than 17 points. Um, <laughs> I, I have nothing here. It's Panthers are nothing catching three. For whatever reason, the Panthers have started slow in both games and their offense kind of started to find a rhythm. So maybe if the, if the Saints go up here early, I don't think that they're going to blow the Panthers out of the water. You can grab the Panthers live, but gross. I don't want to talk about this game anymore than we have to. Ravens at New England plus two and a half is New England as a home dog with its total at 43 and a half sharps are on Baltimore and the over uh, as is the money. No, the money's on Baltimore, but uh, it's split on the total. It's about 50, 50. What do you got? It's Baltimore gentlemen. The gods will not save you. Uh, No real feel here, but um, I am personally as a better, I am rooting uh, for the Ravens to lose and the bills to win by 155 because then we will get, our classic Harbaugh spot next week at home where the Ravens is a home. Harbaugh's a home dog is almost as free money as you can get. Um, they'll probably still be a home dog, but I want as many points as possible. But uh, Ravens, there's, there's a lot of uncertainty in this game with the Ravens injuries. I still don't know if Stanley's going to play. I still don't know if Dobbins is going to play. They have no they have no running game without Dobbins. The secondary is a ton of injuries. Once their secondary gets healthy, it's one of the best in the NFL. But the offense last week showed me what I needed to see, that the Ravens are capable of making a run with – Lamar Jackson facing the blitz and teams thinking they have this figured out. Lamar Jackson, by the way, first time he ever had 150 yards and three touchdowns in a game against the blitz, did it in the first half last week. It's against a Dolphins team that he couldn't even get a first down against. They had no clue what to call last year. It's a, it's a bad spot for the Ravens off a heartbreaking loss. Bills on deck at home. Do they respond or do they are they a little let down and distracted? I don't know. This one's this looks about right. Line should be three. Yeah, I don't really got anything for that one. Uh, Rams at the Cardinals. The Cardinals are three and a half point dogs at home. The total is 48 and a half. Sharps are on Arizona and the under, uh, as is the money. Uh, anything here? Uh, blow on both these teams. 
I'd probably take the Rams if it gets to three. Uh, McVay owns Cliff for what it's worth. Nine, one and one against the spread. Ten and one straight up. Uh, I'm a little concerned about – it's a little weird dynamic here. Is maybe you could add some insight from a fantasy perspective, but the Rams secondary is de- destroyed right now at corner. Like Troy Hill is out. His backup is looks like he's going to be out. And you're playing a Cardinals team that's going to spread you out with a bunch of receivers, but they don't have their full uh, – they don't have their full arsenal of receivers. They still have some capable guys. So that might cause some problems for the Rams, but the Rams and McVay seem to know how to scout and attack this Cardinals team. And I think this Cardinals team, it's a really poor roster. Um, and they just caught the, the Raiders snapping last night. So there, there could be some merry magic, could be more Stafford turnovers that offensive line is still a mess i don't know i'd take i'd look at the rams at three at three and a half pass i think dorch will have a, a another good game your boy hey sorry to interrupt this is matt the producer just want to remind any new listeners that stucky and our college podcast crew has long been the champions of wide receiver greg dorch in fact we even created this segment dedicated just to his highlights greg dorch if you're listening We still love you here at the Action Network, and we see you shining. The most electrifying player in football. Guess who? Greg Dortch. Understand, Greg Dortch is the big play guy. Dortch beats the punter. Down the middle. It's Dortch, and he's gone. Touchdown. The magician has done it again. Greg Dortch is something else. Don't forget about Greg Dortch. Oh, Greg. Dorch, he is leading the Cardinals wide receivers and tight ends in yards per route against zone. And that's the one thing we kind of know what the Rams are going to do in this one. They're going to play a ton of zone as they usually do. And also because you have to keep eyes on Murray, uh, as you know, everyone was reminded of. I think the line is kind of right. For what it's worth, divisional dogs, 50% ATS or below in weeks two through four are 80, 44, and four against the spread, 65% since 05. But uh, then on the other side of that, you got the fact that Cliff really – uh, has struggled against McVay. So this one's a pass for me. Uh, Philly, Washington. The Eagles are favored by six and a half on the road. The total's down to 47 and a half. Sharps hit Philadelphia and the under. So both of those lines uh, went in that direction. Anything here? Yeah, I think there's value on Washington. I don't know if I, if it gets a seven, it's a grab. I don't care about any matchup issues or how good Philadelphia is than might be. This is a line that has <laughs> gone up five, six points from last week. But I expected Philadelphia to win that game. It was a really good matchup for them. And look, Kirk Cousins just shit the bed. Let's let's be honest. He was throwing it right to some Eagles, which made that score a little bit more lopsided. Eagles offense was tremendous. I don't really trust the Washington defense. Do I trust Carson Wentz against the Eagles zone not to make mistakes and go down the field, you know, efficiently, which you have to do without making mistakes against the Eagles? I don't know. But uh, it's big overreaction. If it gets to seven, I have to take seven. I'll even think about six and a half. Road favorites, by the way, of three plus in September division games over the past 20 years, 39%. And I could go on and on about the Eagles, the, some of the overreactions and for 2-0 and teams here, we've covered all that. This is just an overreaction in my opinion. Now, there's some money that drives it. Some people think that the Eagles are clearly the best team in the NFC. Maybe they will be. Maybe they'll end up being this good. But it's still a division game on the road. You'll get a, you'll get a great effort here from Washington. It's Washington or nothing. Yeah, I mean, I make the line like four, four and a half, but uh, not betting on Carson Wentz and uh, Philadelphia, they do have some advantages, you know, matchup wise. Darius Slay owns Terry McLaurin and 
Also, you have uh, Chase Roulier, the center for Washington, is out. Uh, not not an ideal defensive line to to lose your center, who is great at top five. So, uh, not not the greatest spot. But I, I do agree. I think the, the line has kind of got. I mean, it's seven. It's just seven not betting is wins. King, uh, I'm just so. not doing it. Not doing it. We're like I, I watched everyone like, go down in flames with Wentz last year, and uh, not something I'm gonna do. So let's just jump into the Survivor and get out of here. The Survivor Pool Pick of the Week. All right, so uh, this is a really tough one for me. So you're going to go to Minnesota, right? Yeah, I mean, some people were telling me you just go to Cleveland. I try to avoid Thursdays when possible, especially in this game against Tomlin as a dog in a division game with 25-mile-an-hour wins. Um, I've talked to some people that are close with the Browns, by the way, and so it's a really fragile team right now. So keep that in mind if they lose this game. Yeah. So I'm not going Browns. By the way, you have a you have an information disadvantage if you go with a Thursday game. Like Giselle makes Brady retire. Yeah, like, you know, <laughs> Rogers Rogers goes uh, out into the jungle and does ayahuasca like and he's not he's out for the game. So you, you don't know. There's things that could happen that just oh now I'm playing this team. A lot of coin flips. So yeah, I'm very confident in the Vikings getting it done at home at least outright. Even if the Lions get in the back door here. I'm still safe. I think they will have an, even if this gets into a shootout, I think they will have one more answer than the line. So I'm going Vikings. I also like from a game theory perspective that I don't think a ton of people will pick it. So um, I think this week could be like a slaughterhouse. Hopefully I don't get slaughtered, um, but I could see, especially if Herbert doesn't play or is banged up, but I could see a lot of people going down. Uh, I think a lot of people are going to default to the Bengals here. And just because it's like, Oh, they're with the Super Bowl, They can't go on three. I can see them dropping this game. So I'm going to put my faith in Kirk Cousins, and I don't think a lot of other people want to against the, you know, the upstart Lions, but that's where I decided I'm rolling. This is tough. I'm going to make my pick on the spot. I think I'm going to go the Bengals here because just gut feel. I, I see more danger in this Lions-Vikings game. You know, so the Bengals. Dan Campbell. I, I, I mean, hey, like I, I was always high in the Lions, though, you know, like not because of hard knocks or anything like that. Uh, I just think that. I just think that the Lions could play offense and, and that's kind of the Viking strength. And so I, it, I just see like a, like there's a shootout, whereas like the Bengals could also get into a shootout, but number one, you got the bounce back spot, but number two, and they've had that for a second week. So not guaranteed, obviously, but number two, you could kind of fuck a lot of people that already got eliminated with the Bengals by using them last week and just keep going with that. And three, I feel like it's a big revenge spot for the Bengals. Cause remember the Jets upset them with Mike White at quarterback last year. So I think you're going to get peak Bengals effort, kind of like Colts in, the, in this Chiefs game. Like, you're just going to get peak effort now. I would never pick the, the Colts, but I wouldn't take the Chiefs either. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go Bengals. Uh, so at least not – hopefully both of, one of us moves on to be four. If we, do, if we choose the same team, then we could just both go down. So uh, give me the Bengals. The Cincinnati Bengals came roaring back. All right, that's going to wrap it up. For the Week 3 Action Network podcast presented by FanDuel, as a reminder, we've got four weekly episodes on the channel dropping all season long. Mondays, we have our NFL recap and Monday Night Football preview. Wednesdays, Kerner and I discuss our weekly player projections. Thursday, we've got this episode with Stucky and I, and every Friday morning, we have a 30-minute NFL Best Bets episode with host Brendan Glashin, joined by experts like Luke Swain, a.k.a. Vegas Refund, and Jill Gallant, Brandon Anderson, you can find Stuck on Twitter, at Stucky2. You can find me at Chris Raybon, and you can find us at those same handles on the free award-winning Action Network app, where you can follow all of our bets, even get alerts uh, for them as they drop, and uh, track yours as well. 
So check that out. And of course, check out action network.com. Good luck this weekend. Let's get this money. Skull.